Unlocking the Cage is recorded live on Twitch Sunday nights at 5 p.m. Pacific at Manager's Comedy. Tune in to chat and share your opinions and help us unlock the cage. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Whether he's removing his face or on a criminal plane or a historical chase, we love Nick and his cage. Star of screen and stage, gonna watch him all day while he's a screaming with rage. Cause we're unlocking the cage. And welcome to another episode of Unlocking the Cage. Yeah. It's not only another episode, it's our 30th episode. That's right, 30th episode. And here's a little fun fact. We've already recorded this intro once, but we had technical difficulties. So we're back. We're doing it again. Uh, We're doing this episode, uh, another episode of Unlocking the Cage again. And if you are listening to this uh, as podcast, we record live on Twitch, twitch.tv slash managers comedy Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific. Old episodes are on YouTube, uh, youtube.com slash managers comedy. Um, we, uh, we have seen a lot of movies. Uh, the magic's <laughs> well, gone. The magic's gone because we already did this. Mad- it's stale. We're not taking <laughs> on our feet. Let's just get Josh I- out here. Get Josh out. Everybody, please welcome graphic designer, improviser, and storyteller from Montreal, Canada, Josh Budman. Josh, hey. hello. Thanks for having <laughs> me for the second time in this 10-minute block. Uh. <laughs> we got it now. We got it now. The uh, the world the world missed my story about uh, seeing four owls today, so unfortunately, you guys are just going to have to... I'm not going to cut the first one out. I'm just going to keep everything in. God damn it, Chris. Great. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll cut. All right, around. let's 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 move ahead to the to the to the, our our topic at hand. So, uh, by the way, we are up to. Uh, I have seen thirty Nicolas Cage movies now, which is appropriate because it's our thirtieth episode, and Chris has seen thirty nine. So we're getting up there. Josh, tell us a little bit about your history with Nicolas Cage. Nicolas Cage movies. Do you have any favorites? Do you have any thoughts in general before we dig into this specific one? Yeah. Well. I, I knew you guys count your movies, so I, I did a count of my own, and uh, I've seen about 20 of them. Oh, that's a good number. Uh, but that includes, like, like, it, like Into the Spider-Verse, where he's, like, in it for a few minutes. Are we, and, we like, count uh, those? Kick-Ass. What's that? We counted those in our numbers, I think. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, yeah, so I've seen 20. Uh, I think, yeah, like you guys, my first foray into his movies was, like, in the 90s, you know, uh, Face Off and Con Air and uh, uh, The Rock. I saw those all in theaters. Um, and then, but I remember, like, seeing clips of, like, his older stuff. I think the first movie I maybe saw him win was Kiss the Girls. Not Kiss the Girls. Kiss of Death. I've never even heard of that one. Kiss of Death. It's like, it's, yeah, he plays a bad guy in that. It's a small role, but uh, it was uh, David Caruso from NYPD Blue before he was in NYPD Blue or while he was in it. I don't remember. And it's like, he's a detective or something. I only know it because there was a scene in the news where Nick Cage bent presses a woman and it was really him doing it because he like jacked up for that movie or something. Well, it so, was it was uh, 1995, so that's right around uh, peak uh, physical fitness. Nicholas this Cage is an incredible cast in this film. Yeah, David Caruso. It's a really bad movie. Helen Hunt. <laughs> I remember it being so good. Samuel Jackson. You got Ving Rhames, Stanley Tucci. It's a <gasps> crazy cast. Maybe it was good. It's so long ago. There, I'm sure. You have it on your list. <laughs> I mean, it's a rare a rare Nick Cage villain role for sure. He very rarely plays the villain. Hmm. Um, That's right. I heard you guys mention that in yeah. other other podcasts. 
Yo, good. Josh is here to Josh is definitely here to help us from saying the same shit over and over again. I appreciate it. No, it's good. It's good. I'm just so thrown that someone actually listens to this. (laughs) And so appreciative, Josh. So appreciative. We were so glad to have you. And so glad. Yeah, so glad that you've been listening. So let's talk about this movie, uh, Lord of War. So tell me, uh, Josh, about your history with this movie. How did you how did you see it in 2005 or, you know, when it came out or more recently or what? I can't I don't remember if I saw it in theaters or not, but I did see it around then. If I didn't see it in theaters, then I definitely like had it on that DVD rip that my brother gave me or something. Mm-hmm. But I think I saw it in theaters because I remember that poster very well with the, okay. with the bullets. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I I, re- I chose this one because I was trying to be like, oh, I'll pick like an actually a good movie he was in. And then I watched it and I still liked it. And then I was like, we have nothing to talk about because it's just a normal movie. Like <laughs> He doesn't go off the rails. There's no like crazy scenes. I mean, there's stuff in it, which we'll get into, but it's a solid like, film. oh no. <laughs> I think I think we'll I think we'll have enough to talk. It's you know, I think there's enough there's enough weirdness going on in this movie for sure. I, I do. I definitely agree. It is a good movie. Um, and so, Chris, you've never seen it before, right? I think I had seen it, but just a long time ago because I remember it being a good movie. Did you remember any parts of it when we rewatched no, it? No, I didn't. But I, I, I have. I think I had seen it before, but it was like a vague, vague memory, almost as if I am telling myself I'd seen it before, and maybe that is convincing me that I had, but I hadn't, and so I'm creating a false memory of a movie. So that's kind of how I felt about it could happen to you. I was like, oh, I've definitely seen this movie. And then like nothing about it was familiar. (laughs) It was just like, I've seen the poster a million times. It's like Kazam. Yeah. It's the one that doesn't, the the, the movie that doesn't exist. Like this Mandela effect, right? Yeah. Um, So I, weirdly, I had no, I mean, I knew this movie existed when Josh requested it. And then before that, I literally had no idea this movie existed. I, like just missed it entirely when it was in theaters even though like in 2005 like I was in you know I was in college like I should have seen or heard about movies but just totally bypassed me culturally never had heard of it before so glad we got to watch it yeah me too it's a good one it wasn't that big I don't remember it being like a huge you know all over the news all over tv like ads you know it wasn't well advertised I don't think it wasn't one of his bigger films at the time as I recall correctly I think but, it, uh, it was just a couple of years before. I mean, it was the year before, I want to say, uh, uh, Call New Orleans. And no, a couple, no, no, a no, no. Ghost Rider was 2007, later, right? Call New Orleans was like 2012. So oh, okay. uh, this this was right before the Wicker, right before the Wicker Man, Wicker Man. the Weatherman, Ghost Rider. What would you say? Same year as the weatherman. Yes, yes. Same year as the I, weatherman. I looked it up. We uh we actually do have someone lined up to talk about the weatherman this summer. So if you're a weatherman fan, weather uh, fans as they call them, what this is your summer? Um, yeah. So this is a this is actually an interesting point in his career because it's um, you know, a few it's it's at so 2002 is adaptation, 2003 is Max Schickman, 2004 is National Treasure. It's a big hit, and then 2005 is this movie. So I feel like this is kind of like. Nicholas Cage's research like right around his resurgence a little bit because like with adaptation obviously he you know huge a lot a lot of uh, favorable press for that for sure um so I feel like this is like a brief back from the mid-90s peak like he kind of dipped down a little bit and then maybe back a little I don't know before That's he plummeted theory. to before things got real weird yeah before things got real bad well 
I was looking at his filmography and I would say, yeah, like the turning point to me, in my opinion, was like Wicker Man. Like after Wicker Man, then it just became, oh, his trope is to be in crazy movies. And like, I don't know about you guys, but when I was younger, like, and now I don't know if you could even do this, but I had this impression growing up that like, if you were on the radio or if you were in a movie, like then you were famous and everyone was equally famous and equally <laughs> wide, like well-known. So like, it, it, like at the time, you know, like, oh, if Nick Cage is in a movie, it's got to be a good movie, you know? And like, I, I felt that way with a lot of actors. And then like, as I got older and I watched those movies, I'm like, no, this is garbage or whatever. Yeah. Like, it, just because it's somebody who was in a good movie and I know, like, I know of them doesn't mean that every movie would be the same or that every actor is the same quality. And like, it took me a while to like figure that out as I got older. I I, so, uh, I had a similar experience in that when I first was introduced to Nick, Nicolas Cage, it was like, you know, when I was cognizant of it, it was he was an action star, but he's right. hardly an action star. Like if you go with his whole catalog, like there's only I mean, there are movies that are actiony, but I feel like if you look at the whole thing, he is not an action star. Like that is not his thing. Yeah, I mean, he hits a lot of different types of movies for sure. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I think that's probably he got his most success from action stars. So that's why we think that. Um, so for this movie, uh, this movie, even though you know, we hadn't heard about it a lot, um, or some of us had never heard about it until a couple months ago. Um, this movie actually did pretty well at the box office. It cost fifty million to make, which actually seems really low to me, uh, given how many. Like what I was telling Chris while we were watching this, is like they go to so many different places to film this. Like, uh, did they though, or was that just near LA? I felt I, I believed a lot of the like on location stuff. I don't know. You, there's a lot of desert around LA. You could just film it. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? They re- well, there was um, uh, a, a YouTube channel I, I watched on, um, they do uh, CGI stuff. They react to CGI and uh, they re- had some trivia and they were saying that uh, it was filmed. Some of it was filmed in Africa. Oh, wow. The, oh, really? The opening, the opening scene when uh, Nicolas Cage is talking to the camera and like it zooms in on him and he's narrating. That was apparently shot in a really bad neighborhood in, in Africa. And like they had to do it really fast. Whoa. So, Whoa. So is there yeah. there's a CGI reaction one about this movie? Yeah, well there I I hope I can pitch other YouTube channels, but it's it, of course it's a really great channel called Corridor Crew. Mm-hmm. They're they're really cool. And they, they do they have a weekly uh series called uh as uh graphic um special effects uh, uh people react to CGI, good and bad CGI, and they had one was for the opening of this film because if you look at the the thing with the bullet and yeah. um it was really cool because they were saying that the way it was done is the, the um one of the bullets the main one is a real bullet but all the other stuff they added like cgi bullets around it and um yeah it's really cool because they were saying what they did was to make it look like a conveyor belt they just had the camera and they just pushed the camera to make it look like it was a conveyor belt moving but it was just the camera and the the point of view what? and uh, they said that that whole thing was added at the end of the like when they finished wrapping up the film, then they shot that opening and they had to make it as cheap as possible because they were running out of money. They just used all these like tricks to make it look good. And the, the, there's a part where the bullet uh, rolls on the ground and the camera's spinning around. And mm-hmm. they said there wasn't really the cameras rotating because the camera was this huge 35 millimeter camera. So what they right. did was they rotated the footage to make it look like it was <laughs> spinning around. Yeah, it's really cool. Well, let's watch a out. little bit of that intro right now. Oh. All right. field day for the heat. See, that bullet doesn't look real to me. That main one looks CGI too, but I guess it's real. Maybe that was as well, but... 
And this, they said that the guy's real in the background was fake. They just have him in front of a green screen. Yeah. Well, this is the part you're talking about where they rotated the footage. Yeah. That's cool. They did pretty good. I can't yeah, they did some tricks to make it more real. And those are real fingers, but they did something to make it look a little more. And then there's a part where they put a bullet into the gun. And to do that, then they warped the, the, the finger to make it look like it's pushing it in. So it's, it's sort of cool. You should check it out. Very I cool. I really love this uh, opening sequence. I thought this this uh, was very interesting. I don't know. There's, I feel like we've seen a lot of like really bad title sequences in this one I liked. I uh, I uh, What's it called? I didn't. I don't know. We'll talk a little bit about this, but I think a lot of the soundtrack choices in this movie kind of run me a little the wrong way just because how on the nose they are. But also I think it's fair to keep in mind this was 16 years ago. So like when I hear for what it's worth, the this, the opening song, I'm just like, ah, yes, it's a, we're in a war movie, you know, like or like a hippies movie or something. But like, I think that that isn't really their fault because that's happened a little since then too. Yeah. I had the same note. I thought the music was really on the nose. I loved I thought the music was good. I liked the choices of song, but like jumping ahead a bit, but like when they're taking cocaine and they're playing the song cocaine, I'm like, <laughs> okay, like I, I felt this movie was very Hollywood because it's one of these based on a true story kind of movies and they're trying to hit all the beats and they're, we'll talk about it later, but I really felt some of them were like, really like we got to hit this beat, even if it's like super far-fetched. Um, so that was my only like critique with the movie and but it wasn't over the top like there has been you know based on true story movies where they really make it like hollywood hollywood eyes and add like a whole bunch of stuff and what i read about this one was it's kind of kind of based on true events but they merged a whole bunch of like stories from different people to make the main character so it wasn't really one person's story that they changed drastically yeah it's pretty uh... awful that this is all based on true events which sucks well it's like yeah I think it's the general, like, just how there are gun runners, like gun people who sell and how the states are involved and, and stuff like that. But I, like um, on the Wikipedia page, it said it was a few different people that they merged the stories together. When uh, So like this this movie, like it starts off in, in Brooklyn and uh, they introduce you to Nick Cage and he's like an immigrant from the Ukraine and uh, pretend, his family's pretending to be a Jewish family in Little Odessa and... Um, they introduce his brother Vitale, played by um, not Jared Rob Lito. Lowe, Jared Leto. I was gonna say Rob Lowe. Uh, was I the only one who instantly knew he was gonna die? Maybe it's because I think I might have seen this movie already. But like the, the way they introduced him, it's like you said in that Hollywood way. Like, oh, this this kid's gonna fucking die. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> like he's gonna pull him into the, the the business and he's gonna get totally just smoked by a gun. I think uh, also because of the casting of Jared Leto, like uh, like there's. Yeah, I have, I have in my notes too. Brother is going to die. Yeah, like you um, just know it right away. But like, you don't put Jared Leto to play like a nice guy who works in the kitchen at a restaurant, you know, and lives a happy life. Like, you my know, he's gonna do something real crazy in the middle of this movie. <laughs> yeah, like I yeah, was like, I, yeah, sorry. Well, I was gonna say I wrote kind of docile Nick Cage, not crazy yet. Yeah. And at, at this part, and and then Jared Leto shows up, and I was like, not so crazy. And then later, I was I added like, no, he is. <laughs> like, like he he was also known to be like in a lot of crazy like crazyish roles. Jared Leto, like anything to do with drugs, because he had done Rec Room for a Dream, he had done Go. He's always like playing high characters, and and in this one no different. So, 
Yeah, yeah, totally. I I liked I liked what he did in this movie. I I wasn't like I'm usually annoyed by Jared Leto in movies, and he was like good. I, I liked him a lot. Like as the Joker, he's kind of like strange, and I'm just not enjoying it. But I don't know. He's really good in this one. Um. Uh, yeah. So uh, <laughs> I don't know. Oh, well, I well I'm sorry, I'm trying to steer us away. I'm, so I the, the 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 quiz that we're doing later. We have a quiz for Josh. Is oh. very. Uh, themed okay. around brothers so i'm trying to steer us away from brother okay. talk specifically all right, all right, we'll get away I, have all, I have all these notes related to this but i want to we're gonna loop back on that can we talk including, about oh sorry i was gonna say including the different uh names i wrote down when chris chris turned to me and tried to say giovanni Rabisi. uh i was like oh yeah like uh, he was you know he played his brother remember the guy who played his brother and chris said uh rudolfo orenson giuseppe rodriguez <laughs> And then it's like, I think you're saying Giovanni Rabisi. <laughs> I, I like the whole intro scene uh, where they like, you know, he's talking about his life and then he's, he sees that gang hit. But do you guys yes. remember what I didn't understand was uh, his love interest, that whole thing with the love interest. Uh, Bridget Moynihan? Yeah, it was just so strange. Like, like he, his dream girl, she's some kind of beauty queen, I guess, from the neighborhood. I, I didn't yeah. like... I didn't. I didn't buy. I didn't understand what that was all about. I, I guess maybe like they just didn't feel the need to kind of elaborate or, or explain, you know, how he even knew her or stuff like that. But it just. This- I don't think he did know her. I think she was just like a, like you said, like a beauty queen, like kind of popular in the neighborhood, and he like admired her from a distance. And then throughout the movie, because she became like a famous model, he would see her poster whenever he was in another city or whatever. So that was kind of it. And then, then he made a move. <laughs> Yeah. And so let's let's talk about like let, let, let's because the plot of this movie is like it's not super plotty, even though it kind of is. I mean, let's talk about some of the themes. So like, what did you guys think about this relationship between her and him? Like he's obviously a very manipulative person. He manipulates everything once he has some money to get her into a hotel by herself and meet her and pretend like it's coincidence and obviously never tells her this. So like he's engineered their whole relationship from the beginning, right? Yeah, he has a he has a I think an understanding of morality that allows him to do the things he does. But he knows I don't think he knows I don't think he thinks they're not wrong. You know what I mean? Like so I don't think he thinks what he did was not wrong when it comes mm-hmm. to like, you know, buying that whole hotel and things like that for her. But I I don't I I don't grasp exactly you know what what allows him to keep on doing what he's doing even though he knows things are wrong uh i don't know josh do you have something to add here well i i did make a note about the scene because i i like i wrote down that when he so he gets the hotel right like he it's funny because he finally gets money because of all his illegal drug um drug sorry gun dealings he's starting to make some money and then some drugs he, he sold all that cocaine Oh yeah, that too. Okay. <laughs> right. I forgot about that. But like he does, you know, orchestrate this whole thing where he gets her to go to this beautiful hotel. I can't remember what country he was in. And it's just for the two of them. So he had the money to do it. But then he mm-hmm. manipulates her to make him think that he's super rich, more rich than he really is, and then has to spend all his money. So it's really funny that like half the movie he's pretending to be uber rich and then he does become uber rich finally at one point when he sells all these guns. So that was like a bit of an odd choice. Yeah, I thought um, it was weird that they didn't just make him rich from the beginning because, like, yeah. him him pretending to be rich didn't really matter in the long run. Yeah, and then I wrote down that when he she sits next to him and then he what is he he's like, why don't I take your picture? He said it in the most 
fake way possible mm-hmm. like like and how she couldn't catch on because it was it was just so unnatural the way he said it like he orchestrated it all and he's like probably thinking like i'm gonna say this and then like oh i don't want to take your picture so he did his way yeah he was, was like, like why don't i take your picture like it was yeah. like this is a total scam i'm running <laughs> exactly it was if he was laughing uh, at his own scam a little bit like ah man like it, it, maybe, I think yeah. there's a little bit. I feel like at no point during this movie does he really think he's gonna get caught, right? Like I feel like he's pretty much. I mean, there's maybe maybe a couple of moments where he's like, "Uh oh," but he's pretty much on top of everything the whole time. So I think that's probably the way he's approaching it. Is he's just like, "Well, I've been, you know, running guns and no one knows about it for so long, and I keep getting away from this annoying Interpol agent guy, and like I can do whatever I want." I feel like know? there's like two sides to this. So there's all right. There's something that was never explained in the movie, which is like, what is driving him? What is the image? Because he's trying to put this image of himself forward. Like he wants this beautiful girlfriend. He wants all the money. He wants, you know, he wants all these things, his status in life. They never really explained why he felt he needed that. Like there was no like one day I'll be as big as these guys or anything. He never did anything like that. But then the other thing is uh, he does try to get away. But I think at a certain point he's like almost it's almost like a cry for help like it's almost like he he's doing such crazy things remember when he's like i have the curse of invincibility like he wants to get caught at a certain point like he's like the world can't be so bad that a guy like me can do these things and and get away with it over and over again so i think like he keeps trying to push the envelope and sometimes even with her uh to to try and maybe prove to himself that like oh no i mean like it, it you know this I I won't get away with it this time. The world isn't that bad. And then he just keeps being reminded that no, he's just gonna get away with it every time. You know who else had the curse of invincibility, Chris? Who that? Johnny Blaze, the Ghost Rider. <laughs> the devil kept him. Al- the devil is keeping him alive. <laughs> the devil is keeping Yuri or- Orlov alive. <laughs> His name is Orlov. Alive. You're alive. <laughs> you're you're alive. alive. Oh you're my alive. god. Whoa, the girls <laughs> <girl's laughs> Well, I, I thought that the movie was trying to be like it these movies like now I would say a more modern movie that that you could compare this to that came out later is like Wolf on Wall Street. It's one of these movies where it's based on a true story. It's a guy who who you want to root for because they're like they're, it's a guy who's not a good guy he's like a bad guy and you you're interested in his story and you want to root for him and it follows the typical like hero journey where it's like a guy gets involved in something gets good at it goes off the rails or something bad happens then you know they get caught or something bad happens they go down and then they get redemption at the end or something and this movie i felt was very flatline in terms of plot like he like it doesn't even like they got all the motions right but they, they don't even really go into details like why he wanted to sell guns like you were saying like he had like what's his motivation like he sees it he's like okay cool i could sell guns and make money but does he want to be the richest guy in the world does he want to have everything like we don't really get that sense i don't feel he's just like now i could do it and then he does it and then some things happen good things bad things and like my favorite thing you were talking about the relationship and i was like this is where i thought the movie was a bit hollywood is like so he coerces her at this at that resort that he rented, and then they go on dates, and then they they find it just the movie has no time. They're gonna hit all the beats, so they go bam, they're getting right. married on their wedding day. Is when she decides to talk to him and be like, "You're gonna be real with me, right? There won't be any problems." Like you didn't discuss this before you got married. This totally, is like yeah. having this conversation at the wedding, like for the movie, it made sense because we're like, "Oh God, we gotta we gotta get going. We gotta move past this." But like 
even if they had shot like the night before, like they're getting, you know, they're getting ready for like, you know, all their guests are going to show up the next day and then they have that talk. That would be a bit more believable. But like at the wedding, like after you've already had the ceremony, you're you're like ready to sit down. You're going to now you're going to have a real talk like that. Is so yeah, weird. I mean, yeah. like 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 in your case, Josh, like you've already disclosed to your fiance about your uh, underground gun running career. So yeah. like, you know, you guys have already resol- resolved that. You know? Oh, yeah, no, she, she's the one that runs it. So. <laughs> I, I think that the only a couple so only a couple characters have really well explained motivations like uh, his wife does not like you have no idea why, why why does she even love him why is she staying no idea right like oh money? And also what happened to her career I yeah. mean she was very famous and wealthy before meeting him yeah presumably it, it tanked I guess and in the um and older he, I don't know. <laughs> Nick Cage's character, you have no idea, like why, like you said, like why does he want the fame? What is all the money? But the but Jared Leto's character has, you know, you understand why he did he did what he did. Like you can kind of like he, you understand why he did drugs because like he's the only one reacting in a normal way to everything happening around him. Like he's like, right. oh, oh my god, like this is eating away at my soul. I'm I'm selling guns. People are getting killed. Like you know what I mean. Uh, so like everybody else is just kind of like, why, why would somebody do what they're doing? But again, I felt the movie rushes it a bit. Cause they go, where do they go? They go on there. Like, so the brother starts to get like Nicholas Cage gets involved with the guns. Then he gets his brother and says, all right, we're going to go to some country. I can't remember the name and we're going to deal with the guns. And he goes there, they make their deal. That's when they get the cocaine. And as they're like all happy and walking, they walk right by a shooting range and young kids are getting killed and it's, really like horrific and yeah his brother sees it it freaks him out then the next scene they take cocaine and instantly jared Leto's hooked yeah and yeah. then he just messed up the rest of the movie and it's like it's good you hit that beat that would that makes sense you'd get all screwed up for what he saw but it was like damn he's hooked and then the next scene he's going to rehab it was like what like where like <laughs> wow like we gotta hit this beat move on to the next scene we have so much story to talk about it was like yeah, yeah. A bit intense for me. He went from like mild mannered to like full Leto, like right after that moment with the shooting range, and it's like, okay, not that's Jared Leto for the rest of the movie. <laughs> yeah, and it was fine. Like I, I did like that, you know, the show that he has problems and he keeps, you know, um, and it, it's also interesting how they repeat a lot of the scenes from earlier because like there's a scene where he, you know, he, uh, Nicholas Cage brings him to the rehab and he takes a little bit of coke and then goes, and then later on in the movie he's he's like fine, and then he goes off the rails again and then goes back to rehab so they're back in the limo again with the cocaine like the same scene and then they goes off yeah i i think um what this movie does that's really fun is something that breaking bad does the a team uh a lot of shows have done this in the past is are these moments when he's in a scrape it's like oh no here comes the interpol agent again and he has to use his quick wits and his ingenuity to scrap together some kind of plan to solve the problem real quick i love it i mean that's so much fun to watch that's such a great thing when that happens <laughs> yeah and that happens like three times in the movie and what i thought was interesting which i find a bit also unbelievable was yeah it's it's ethan hawkett character every time after him but it's just funny how how involved ethan hawk's character was because like I understand he would be there for every time he's trying to get him. Fine. But why would he be in the... There's a scene, right, when when they're in a plane and then another, like, a fighter jet yeah, Why is he in, actually like, in the plane? Why yeah. is he in the plane? Like, does he do everything? He's like, like ah. I gotta be there when I see him. Like, <laughs> like I'll get you next time. I, I would say, yeah. while we're talking about Ethan Hawke's character, Ethan Hawke's character was the worst part of the movie for me. 
But I also coming into this as a real anti Ethan Hawker. I just, when I see his face, I just get so irritated. I do not care for him. Ethan Hawker, loogie, am I right? But I just thought he was separate from my antipathy towards Ethan Hawk. I just thought he was really unbelievable as this character. He's just like, oh, I'm so mad. Like this like scrawny, angry guy who's supposed to be this like paragon of virtue at Interpol and just like, oh, I just didn't make any sense. Well, he had to be a young idealist. Who who would be a better person to play that character? Six or older, maybe. Yeah. uh, well, I think they needed to be young since he's an idealist and it hasn't been broken down by the reality mm-hmm. of what's going to happen. Like, he he didn't understand, like, what was going to happen. What about like, James Gandolfini? Mark Wahlberg. Oh, wow. Mark Wahlberg would have been a little better. I don't know. Maybe. I don't often say that, but. Like, if they went with a classic, like, you know, like, like all like American. A little beefier guy. Yeah. yeah. Like, a little more intimidating looking guy. I, I could see Matt. Um... Um, Matt, Matt Damon. Damon, yeah, maybe. totally. Could have been, like more of that. Sam Rockwell. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Uh, yeah I it's a little or, too close to me for me. Or like uh, maybe nowadays, uh, like Gerard Butler could have been a good more because like a, more of a bigger guy. But uh, mm-hmm. John, like, I know we're jumping all around, but th- so like the first time we meet Ethan Hawke's character is when they're on the boat, right? I can't remember if that's before they go with the deal in, in, with the drugs, but it's, that's that's the first time is the boat, yeah. Yeah, and what I loved about that is like it was so convenient how they had all the stuff there to fix the boat problem because it's like the boat was named one thing and Interpol's like on their way and they're like we gotta change the name and they happen to have paint and they happen to have a stencil. Oh, I love that sequence. And, and flags. So they do it. They have flags, and the flags too. And they change, they make France. They turn it sideways, so it's uh, it was Denmark. What was no? So it was. Um, I wrote it down. Was it Switzerland? No, not Switzerland. It was. Uh... Need a vexillologist on staff here. No, I just wrote that it was Dutch. They were supposed to be Dutch. Yeah. Uh, so, so they moved it sideways. Uh, French to make it sideways. But what I loved is, so they're doing all this right, and the the, the Interpol's like almost there. And it's like, you're telling me when they were in the water on the dinghy, they don't see that they're messing around with the boat. Like they were right there. They were coming from behind. <laughs> they did show an establishing shot. They were coming from behind. They were coming they from were the working. bow. Yeah, they were on the yeah, bow okay. side. They, these guys. I were thought hanging. they were like approaching, and I was like, I, if I was on that boat, I'd see them be doing something. Like maybe I won't know exactly what it is, but I'd be like, what are they messing around with the boat? I really that, think that this. I really think the devil. Like I think the devil is keeping him, like giving him that extra boost of luck in these situations. Peter Fonda just shows up and he's like, "Still watching you." I made a deal. <laughs> I'll get uh, that guys, contract. I thought of a good. I thought of a good replacement cast for uh, Ethan Hawke, Don Cheadle. Just, oh, oh, it just, it is yeah. just, it is so right. I would even I go as far to say better, yeah. War Machine would be great in this movie. Like he keeps flying up, and ironically. Oh, like he's- <laughs> Ironically, he's War Machine, and he's supposed to be the Lord of War. But fucking no, Nick Cage keeps outsmarting him. And then we find out he gets his bullets from Nick Cage, and it's like, what? It's like, oh no. Speaking of uh, speaking of uh, of Marvel characters, like uh, like I did feel like there's so much of this that reminded me of Tony Stark, like the start, mm-hmm. you know, or more more specifically, uh, what's it, Daddy Stark, Howard Stark, Howard Stark, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah, and like how like the you know the the you've you know you've created these like weapons of war and like seeing the consequences of them and like the whole um i mean this is a reverse uh this is a reverse iron man origin story because it's like he sees all the bullets and stuff and he's like yeah instead of being like oh no (laughs) 
<laughs> Wait, is this part of the MCU? Did we just unlock this? It totally could be. It, I feel like I feel like if if uh, Howard Stark had showed up at some point, it would have totally made sense. So Sam Rockwell could have played. Is it Justin Hammer? Yeah, that he could have been he in this movie because he's an arms he's an arms <laughs> dealer. There you go. <laughs> There's a what's it called? There's a there's a moment later on in the movie where I, I can't I can't remember exactly what happens, but I wrote firearms who killed her parents were from a gum dealer like her husband. Oh, that's what it is. It's it's um oh right. Bridget Moynihan finds out it turns out the whole time her parents have been dead and were killed by firearms, and they try to convince her to rat him out by uh, reminding them that like oh the firearms that killed your parents they were illegal and that's what your husband does so. So like she could have turned into Wanda Maximoff there, you know? <laughs> oh man. I, I have a clip of like his whole spiel about being in the gun business. That might be a good establishing situation here. Yeah. Selling guns is like selling vacuum cleaners. You make calls, pound the pavement, take orders. I was an equal opportunity. Part of this of is just him speaking in Vietnamese with no subtitles. Army. I believe it's Vietnamese. I sold Israeli made Uzis to Muslims. Oh, soundtrack, by the way. Yeah. I sold communists. On the nose, again. This part's great. (laughs) I just love Cage speaking in, in another language. I even shipped cargo to Afghanistan when they were fighting my fellow Soviets. I never sold to Osama bin Laden. Not on any moral grounds. Back then, he was always bouncing checks. Oh, Jared Leto looking at a dead body, pensively. By the mid-80s, my weapons were represented in eight of the world's top ten war zones. (laughs) AK-47 making a cash register noise. I think that's like the, the... the MIA song, Paper Planes. Yeah. yeah. Did you read the trivia about the guns? They were a lot of them were real, right? Yeah. Apparently, it was cheaper to get re- different real guns to pretend to be AK-47s than to get fake guns for the movie. <laughs> There's a lot of a lot of uh, a lot of firearms in this movie. Oh man. Yeah, yeah. I have actually. I have some. Uh, uh, oh, apparently they used three thousand AK-47s. Um, and, uh, also they used, so all the, the tanks, uh, yeah, for that scene too. where they have all the tanks. Uh, so basically they had to warn NATO about this, the fact that they were filming this scene. Cause they saw, they would look and see satellite images of the set and be like, Oh my God, like it's... someone's starting an actual war. <laughs> oh my God. Well, apparently they had to film the scene with the tanks really fast because there, there was a deal going on where the tanks were sold. So oh yeah. They were like real. Yeah. Yeah. They real were, tanks. um. They were actually being sold. That's oh, crazy. That's messed up. That's really <laughs> messed up. Um, all right. Let's talk about a little bit about um, some of the other characters in the movie. So we have uh, Ian Holm, who I was disappointed mm-hmm. that he wasn't in this movie more because yeah. I like him. Mm-hmm. Ian yeah, Holm. rest in peace. Yeah, he's great. Rest in peace in this movie and in real life. And in real life, yeah. Yeah, he, he, uh, um, he shows up and he's like, I'm the big, I'm the, like, you know, he's like, oh, that's the big bad boy of all of gun running. He's going to be like, you know, and then like they set up, there's going to be an epic battle between these two gun runners. And then nothing really happens much with that. 
Well, well I wrote, there was a line that he happens. said that I wrote down. There, there was a line that he, I, I wrote down. What was it? Um, the, the best he, thing about, the worst thing about when gun runners go to war is there's no shortage of bullets. Is it that bullets. one? Yeah, it was, there's no, sh- uh, 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 something. ammunition, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, so Ian Holm, he, uh, he does, there's a little bit of war between them. So at some point Ian Holm, um, put it to car, there's, 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 there's a, we get this like Soviet general who's also his uncle from the Ukraine, from the Ukraine. Ukraine. Okay. So he's working with him for a little bit. There's a family connection. Um, and, uh, at some point he, uh, goes out to a car and he's like, he's like, oh, your friend. We see, we see, um, Ian Holm like looking at the car. I mean, that and was... then he walks away. And so he's like, oh, I'm. So, the, the general's like, oh, I'm so happy. Can't wait to live my life. And then I told you, Chris, I was like, that car's gonna fucking blow up. Like, yeah. right. And then I just literally went three, two, one, and it blew up. And then Nicholas Cage's reaction was like, what? Like it was so, like, oh no, like it wasn't. <laughs> He didn't run down. He wasn't like crying. He didn't like rip his shirt. Like he was just like. Oh, it's similar you know. when I mean when I mean he got upset when Vitaly died, but at the same time after he died, he's just kind of like, I guess I got to yeah. sell you these guns. Well, that's sort of that's uh, that's an interesting turning point. Actually, why don't we uh, show that clip because uh, we do have the clip of him dying. Oh, I also have a clip of which is later on yeah. in the movie. But, yeah, later. Basically, on. like I know we're flip flopping, but basically the the whole like like direction for Nicolas Cage is like he starts to get into the guns he gets his brother involved yes. then he gets better at it then uh he um the the war uh, one of the wars ended the the Russian war ended or some, some the war, cold, ended, war, or, yeah. cold war the cold ended. war ended so then he was all excited because that meant he could get guns and it just happens that his uncle was a general in that war so he gets all these guns and business is booming and that's when he has his wife and everything and everything's going really good and then there's the whole thing with um then the uncle dies, so that's like a dip. And then the next chapter is he starts to deal with um, the Baptiste. dictator in Africa. Oh yeah, yeah. Maybe let's talk about that a little before we show this clip. So, because okay. he, so he's based on a real person too. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, he's based off of Charles Taylor, who is the uh, warlord and ex-leader of Liberia. Um, and. Uh, uh, I don't know about you guys, but this is what uh, this guy. I, I I gotta look up what his name was, but was one of my favorite parts of the movie. I just thought he was so so funny. I mean, not funny, you know, as funny as a like murder reaper, but like he just was so charismatic and watchable. I really enjoyed him in this movie. Yeah, he, he was good. Yeah, and my girlfriend looked up about Liberia, and I had no idea about this, but Liberia was kind of like Israel in a way that it was it was black people from America who went back to Africa to claim their homeland and like took over there and that's how they ended up there and that's how it became like a country i had no idea that even existed this was in the 1800s he says that in the movie too he says it's a country okay. founded by freed slaves right 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 but not as many books as you'd think in liberia sorry it's a bad joke <laughs> <laughs> so uh Eamon walker is his oh, name that's libraria and he's uh okay. he's british he's a british guy I guess oh, that doesn't, it kind of has a oh. bit of an accent, and that's for sure. So nothing um, can stop this bath of blood. And that's where we we see uh, just a peak of crazy Nick Cage. Yes, when he shoots the gun and he freaks out for like half a second, <laughs> and he says something like, "Why'd you do that? I can't sell you his gun." Like perfect Nick Cage like annotation, and then that's the most we really see. 
in yeah. the movie. Yeah. And, and um, there, there is the time great. after he, he, he makes him shoot Ian Holm, too, where he goes on that, like, cocaine-fueled walkabout in Liberia where uh, he's like... I should have got a clip of that. Yeah, that, that part's pretty that crazy, crazier too. than it was. In my head, I thought, I remembered, be like, oh, yeah, he goes off the rails. But when I watch it, I'm like, it's not... He's Nick Cage. He's done worse than other movies. The situation is crazy, but he's not. Yeah, he's yeah. not. Yeah. yeah he's so calm. just to, 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 to orient us plot-wise, so we, you know, Jared Leto has a crisis of conscience. He gets murdered. Let's take a quick look at that. Yeah, he, he tries to stop the sale of some guns. and uh, it But it was also well. funny because he was out, and then everything was going great, and then Nick Cage is like, oh, you got to come back. So that yeah, was like he, total setup what a dick. for guy. He was he got his life back together. He got off of cocaine and yeah. like was working back at the sh- He at had the a lady he loved, like he had a girlfriend. Uh who wasn't a, a stripper with like Angel or Candy. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so he's just thrown a grenade into uh oh, there it goes. No beach! No beach! And now he's dead. This is just a long, sad scene, which doesn't translate well to audio, but he just got shot. It's in the middle of the desert, lying. I, I have a solid minute and a half of this, so we can stop it if we want I just wanted to see Nick Cage's reaction to it. Oh, he's got a grenade. I, he's going to blow himself realistic? up. Could you do this? I feel like after he's got enough bullets in him that he probably should be dead. No, I mean, could you put the pin back into a grenade to stop it from yeah, blowing up? Yeah, yeah, you can because you have to let go of the handle. See the handle on the side? You have to let okay. go of the handle on the side. Okay, okay. I, uh, I was just thinking of this. I haven't seen a good Nick Cage death scene where he like, like that was a realistic death that Gerald Leader just pulled off. I don't think Nick Cage could do that. I don't know if it was that realistic. He took a little longer to die than I think he should have. Well, I've never seen a Nick Cage. I guess he died in leaving Las Vegas. Oh yeah. You know I, I just realized as a side trivia note, this actor, I looked at him when I was watching the movie, I'm like, he looks so familiar. And I might be wrong, but just looking at him now, I feel like he's the guy from the fifth element. I knew you were gonna say that. I knew you were is gonna that say that. that. Wait, I don't know. Trivia? Did I screw that up? No, no, I <laughs> wanna know if that's him now because Which guy? Him? <sighs> him. That, no, 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 that's not Zeus. Zeus is a wrestler. Do nope. you mean the president? No, no, no. No, 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 no. No, yeah, no, it's not the aliens president. That, that shake their head and they oh. look like a human. Oh, okay, and all right. I'm like, this guy looks so familiar. Now looking at this scene, that looks just like, I could be wrong. I don't I don't mean to make everyone- He look, died, he died too. <laughs> but, the president for the fifth element died too. The actor. Yeah, yeah but- I know you're, not now I know you're talking. Yeah. That would be interesting oh, if it was him. Oh, boy. Oh, now it's it's aliens that work with, um, with uh, Gary Oldman. Mm. And and he's in it like he plays a waiter for like a second, and he's like he, that actor's in the Fifth Element as long as he is in this movie. Like, wait, so short. wait, it looks like him. Guys, Gary Oldman instead of Ethan Hawke. Yeah, that'd be a little better, but Gary Oldman's got a bit of a similar vibe, you know. I could yeah. see him being instead of Nicolas Cage. Yeah, like, yeah. Then. I have a clip here of uh, maybe we could set the scene. Um, this is the free guns thing. Yes, like so, like. Uh, he oh, yeah. he get like so is this is one of those scrapes I should have showed this earlier this is like when one of those scrapes they get get into where they need to right uh, figure out what's going on he crashes a plane onto the highway and uh, or like a, a big dirt road and he needs to get rid of an entire plane's worth of guns but you're, but you're skipping the part when the plane's going down which is really good 
You don't what? have a clip of that. Oh, no. What? When, what? when you're convincing the pilot to go land on the Oh, on the you're strip, the shit. You're the shit. You're the shit. That happens right before. Uh, I should have grabbed that. Oh, I didn't grab it. Uh, well, here's the free guns. Come here. Come here. Hey, don't be shy. Here, look. Free sample. Help yourself, okay? Free sample. Tell your friends. Just a crowd of hundreds of people going to the back of a cargo plane, taking grenades, RPGs, AKs. The other thing is like, he's doing this because he doesn't want to get caught with the guns when the cops come to get him. Yeah. But, like, it's just odd that every time they show up, he's there and it's like, like, how can they not be suspicious? Like, why would he even be there? So they can't get him for, for being in the wrong place at the wrong time? Like, Well, he does hold him for 24 hours. Great. Sort of. Like, he leaves him in the, you know, on the runway for 24 hours or whatever. Yeah. And the movie implies he never gets up. So could you sit down for 24 hours without eating or drinking or going to the bathroom and just oh. sitting there? Oh, his arms must have been wrecked after that. Like He behind. absolutely beat his pants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then that's what you were saying, Meg. It's like he, like Ethan Hawke shows up, just yells at him for a bit and leaves. He's like, oh, I have nothing against you. And it's like, you've been all over the world. You've caught him at three different places in three different countries. And there's no suspicion. Like, like well, that's insane. Well, no, he knows he did it, but he's got no legal recourse, I guess is what he's saying. Okay. But like at the same time, like the other guy who was just going to cut his throat was right. Like no one's going to know either way. Like you could just make up evidence at this point. Like, like who's going to know, like, who, you know, who's keeping track of this. Yeah. So. And I think what's unrealistic is that the next scene we don't see the cage get his throat cut because wasn't the whole part point that he was bringing somebody guns and now they don't have the guns. Like whose guns were they? Yeah. Like where's the consequence for him losing? If it was Batista's guns, he would have killed him. Yeah. Like, like, that would have been really bad. Like, that guy just shot people for no reason. Like, he would have shot him for sure. Yeah, so there was, like, no consequence. You're like, oh, he got away. He didn't get caught because he got rid of the gun, so he's safe. But, like, uh, those were for somebody, and that was a lot of guns. So that was pretty weird. So it's never explained. It's like... What we didn't cover was the fact that... So he, the, the whole thing where he kills Ian home and he has that whole... home and he has that whole uh, cocaine-fueled nightmare where the hyenas try to kill him, and he has possible aids we don't know and all that good stuff he goes straight for six months yeah he does yeah we didn't cover that so yeah he goes straight which makes it even worse that and then the guy from liberia comes to new york city and makes him get back in the game it's it's just it's so it's so much worse and then he makes his brother get back in the game right, uh, right after that man yeah it just made it so much worse that everything uh, so yeah. And one thing that we forgot to mention is when um, Jared Leto's character dies, he also killed Jared Leto's character, killed Batista's son. So it's like a and, life and, for a life. And, right. But also, again, no consequences of Nick Cage's character. Like, Batista doesn't kill him. They just kind of have like, a, they look at each other from afar <laughs> and they nod and then they're like, okay. And they just... Wait, I Jared Leto kills life life. the dictator's son? Yeah, the guy yeah. with the golden gun was the dictator's... Uh, son he, he yeah. kills him first he attacks him first and then dies and then blows up the truck he hits him with a tire iron or something and he dies 
Ugh, I forgot about they that. Just, All right. yeah, well, yeah, kinda... I feel like that's an underreaction then from like a guy, a warloader has been known to. Uh, well, he's uh, like yeah, he's also react everything, but he's looking at him standing over his brother's coffin. So he's just like, I think right, he understands it, yeah. it wasn't him that did it; it was his dumbass brother. But yeah, he's very understanding sometimes and very not very understanding other times. Yeah, this movie was sometimes very brutal. It had some funny moments and some fun moments. It's a, it, the tone was all over the place. Uh, just I guess you could call it a dark comedy, but also Definitely. yeah, yeah. But man, that was that part where they just like you know he sells the other half of the guns after his brother dies, and then they just wipe out that village for no reason. It's just like oh man, this is some dark ass shit. And he gets paid with blood diamonds. Yeah. So. Oh my god. I'm sorry. I I I uh, I zoned out for a second because I was so close to finding out if that actor was the same guy from the fifth element or not all i could find i found a photo of him chris i don't know if you want to share it but sure. uh you don't have to <laughs> send it to you mm. um and uh, i could not find who this guy is because i can't remember the character's name and imdb has not been helpful so uh i don't think that's the same person i'll, I'll put him on on meg I don't All think right, it, we got, yeah. we got guy, guy number one. Him, yeah, yeah, him. I don't know if that's Maybe the I'm same wrong. actor. I feel, I feel like I'm. Hmm. That guy has a very big nose. Yeah, he does it have could a be big wrong. nose. Unless that was like a prosthesis to make him look more like an alien. It could be because this guy transitions into an alien with a big nose, so it could so be maybe part of it's that. A, All right, well, maybe it's mid transition. Anyway, yeah. let's not detour. Uh, <laughs> Let's let's so let's see. Is there anything else we missed for this movie? Uh, um, like the wife finds his secret trailer full of stuff and yeah, uh, yeah. leaves him. His family disowns him because they killed he killed his brother. I was but convinced again, he was gonna die at the end of this movie. He did not die. What are you saying, Josh? Sorry. Well, well, see, that's the thing. So it, it, it's again very Hollywood how everything transpires. So like he gets caught in the end, and it's because when he was bringing back the brother, there was a bullet in the brother that they caught, so they knew that he was involved yes. somehow. So then they arrest him, and then there's zero consequences because there's a shady general throughout the movie that he has as a friend that he calls up when he needs help. And then the general, like, he gives a speech to Ethan Hawke saying, it's okay, here's what's going to happen. I'm going to get my buddy to come. He's going to come, and he's going to tell you uh, there's nothing you could do, and then I'm going to be set free, and I'm going to walk. And that all happens. But I love how when he's in prison... Uh, and he calls his wife we see as the phone is ringing she's packed up and like walking she's out the door out. yeah and like perfect timing like that's the moment you know very hollywood and we didn't talk about and, the, uh, that that general is voiced by Do- donald sutherland and he's called general sutherland in the he's movie he's called general southern oh, oh it's general southern oh, okay i thought it, he was it is him okay I, I i wondered if it was someone famous wow, is, yeah cool. that voice is so like like oh it's like oh yeah. that's freaking donald sutherland <laughs> At some point during that scene, he tells Ethan Hawke, I won't spend a single second in a jail cell. And, right. and uh, yeah, and uh, Ethan Hawke is like, what do you mean you won't spend a single second in a jail cell? And I was like, because he's going to kill himself right now, right in front of you. And then he did it. Yeah. I really thought he was just about to like pull out a cyanide capsule or he's something. He's like, the one rule of the gun trade, always have a gun, blows himself away. But no. <laughs> Alternate ending. <laughs> But that's it. Like he loses his brother, his parents disown him, his wife leaves him, but he's still okay because they need guns. And it was like there's no, I don't know. Like even in Wolf and Wall Street, like he kind of learns a lesson, right? The the main guy, like in Wolf and Wall Street, like he, yeah. he goes right down, then he goes clean, and he learns a lesson. And like 
That's the end of the movie. But this is like Nicolas Cage's character doesn't learn anything. Wow. He learns never go to war, especially with yourself. Just the last line of the movie. I did not. I did not care for that. I think if you if you consider him uh, being an amoral uh, person who sells guns successfully as the base reality, and then him coming back to that base reality at the end, at the end again, having learned something, that this could follow like a pretty standard hero's journey because like the event that kind of changes everything for him uh, is I think I would say his wife. Or meeting the girl. I don't know what changes everything. It makes him go off on this adventure. But then he comes back at the end, and he, he and I don't know what he's gained. What has he gained? He's nothing. Gained nothing. He's lost everything. You're right. Yeah, never mind. I'm trying to make sense of this, and it's not. <laughs> There's nothing there. It's an inverse hero's journey, obviously. <laughs> I don't know that's thing. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I just I just didn't feel that the motivation to get him back after six months uh, clean was enough. It was like we need you to do it again. He's like, okay. <laughs> it wasn't like i'll kill your brother or i have this evidence against you or or you know if you don't do this i'm gonna blow up your wife like it wasn't it was like i just can't i just can't like not live with gun running and he hands and him a we big don't even diamond. get that sense either he hands him a giant diamond too for like he's like here's a diamond i got yeah, the sense the that house. yeah he yeah. just hands him a gigantic okay diamond. i guess i forgot that part yeah so that is motivation i guess i did get the sense that like he wasn't explicitly threatening him but like you don't say no to this guy he right, also like right. it's just showed you he knows exactly where you live and he can get into your house very right. easily that's true <laughs> um there's one bit that we didn't talk about that i thought was really weird and a little awkward but they the the bit where he uh like the warlord sends two women to his hotel room and he's just like oh i really want to bang you guys but do you have aids and then just like keeps keeps like pushing it and then he's they they're eventually like it's not really a big deal and then he's like okay then leave <laughs> and then like later on he has sex with someone and he's like do you have aids but he's and too messed up they to... never revisit like he never goes and that's like a stressful moment where he's getting test results it's like no nope. it's just it was just a yeah. weird recurring thing to have in but I, I thought they said that they were clean or, or was it possible they were lying like i thought I, they I, said don't worry we're clean but i i had the impression he didn't want to cheat on his wife but then he just doesn't give a shit later anyways yeah i think I, he, he was like like not trusting them because he was like one in four people have it in that part of the world so there was like, something okay. i think one of them said that was like implied to me that like oh it doesn't matter that okay. she like she was like if i did it didn't matter or i don't know or whatever yeah but i thought it was interesting because you so rarely you know see a character in a movie that's just like talking about stds and yeah. uses like the risk of stds as a reason not to do something you never have anyone in a movie ever, ever acknowledge the existence of stds in the world <laughs> let alone stop themselves from having sex because they're worried about not having protection like the only reason someone would not have sex in a movie without protection is because they're worried about getting something preg somebody pregnant and you know they that always is a motivation but no one cares about anyway <laughs> it just it was just what a, a bizarre moment thing. And it also just didn't come, like, it didn't come full circle, you know? Like, there wasn't any, like, it was like a setup with no specific payoff as to, like, how this affects his life. Yeah, you think, oh, oh, this gives his wife AIDS. Oh, God. Yeah, or something. Some fucking yeah. terrible, like, awful ending like that. <laughs> uh, all all right. right. Any final thoughts before we uh, move on to the next section of this? Was, do, uh, do you guys think that that was a wig or his real hair? Oh, good, good question. question. I think 2005 
receding hairline. I'm going to say this is real hair. His hair is good. I mean, it, you think it was a wig? I, I thought it was real. I thought his hair was good. Okay. I think there were choices made earlier in the film to fill it up, like make it look fuller when he was younger. That might have been augmenting his actual hair. Wait, Chris, are you pulling up the other guy? I. Uh, oh, I have the other guy up. Oh, I can pull up. Oh, hold on. I can do this. Never mind. All right. There we go. Uh, no, oh, that, that's definitely not the same person. 100%. No, I, I think I'm wrong. Yeah. It's just the goatee. My bad. <laughs> and it's a similar, similar. I mean, they're making the exact same face. They're but, similar faces. But yeah. I do like this guy as a new co-host. So... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, uh, man. Fuck you. I was going to bring up uh, <laughs> maybe try to get a, a still of, of Cage's head. Uh, well, we can watch here. Chris, if you pull up the last clip, you, we can watch him in that. Oh, yeah. This is Nick Cage talking. So this is a this is a bonus feature in one of the versions of the DVD for this that uh, really sums up the thesis of this movie very clearly. It's him doing a promo for Amnesty International. It's pretty short. Perpetrators of unimaginable crimes continue to receive high-powered assault rifles and shoulder-fired missiles from arms brokers and their governmental accomplices. Few restrictions are there to stop them. The result of this uncontrolled arms trade is the deaths of hundreds of thousands of men, women, and children each year. Countless others are tortured, maimed, or forced to flee their homes. You can help stop this needless bloodshed by joining Amnesty International and the Control Arms Campaign, an international campaign co-led by Amnesty that demands that governments better control the global arms trade. To take action, log on to www.amnestyusa.org. So yeah, so that's pretty much summing the the point of this movie. Well, I, I'm surprised at the end they didn't say Lord of War in theaters. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah based on that hair i uh it could be a hair piece it could not be but just i feel like 2005 he probably was he doing still had okay some hair, hair yeah he still had some hair yeah the wicker man he but, didn't have a wig but one thing chris like you said oh isn't it great when he tried to speak another language but we kind of glossed over that he speaks like four or five different languages in this film yeah uh, i wish and we had like, a what do you feel about that i was like oh my god this is terrible like it's good effort but i don't know yeah if it's if it's supposed to be that he his character is supposed to be fluent in them, or is it bad because he wouldn't know how to say it properly and he's just like? Well, was there anything that came off to you as being a uh, uh, bad of like specific that he was bad at? Just in general, I was like, oh, this is him trying to speak it, and it, and it was probably Nicolas Cage just saying it phonetically, and I was like, yeah, I'd probably say it just as bad. Like I don't know. Uh it had I vibes. Wish- it had vibes of uh, Bangkok Dangerous. Uh, yes. tourist cage oh, go, going to different countries kind of like this touristy cage okay. <laughs> cage on vacation but at, but doing gun stuff <laughs> gun stuff um all right so chris why don't you take us over to the trivia section i got a all few right. things and then we're gonna put josh to work trivia. trivia trivia all right all right we just got a couple little random bits of trivia that i haven't managed to organically work into this yet so do you guys remember when he uh, he's like visiting somebody and there's a helicopter pilot and he like gets the heli- the kid helicopter pilot to um, strip the helicopter so it doesn't yeah. look like it's a yeah. military Taking helicopter? Taking the rockets off that's the his side. Uncle. That what? was his uncle. Yes. He goes to visit his uncle and that's like where I was saying they repeat themselves. So like with the boat, it was the exact same thing, but instead of 
you know, oh, we got to change the boat. We got to change this helicopter to a different type of helicopter. <laughs> yeah. And then Ethan Hawk shows up and is like, oh, no, it's the wrong helicopter. Like, so, yeah, yeah. you remember that? So the kid who, uh, I don't know if we, I don't think we have a clip of this. The kid who plays the helicopter pilot mm -hmm. is Weston Coppola Cage, Nicolas Cage's son. Oh, uh, who, if you've been listening to our episodes of this podcast, there's featured in Rage, a terrible movie we watched recently at a much older, older age. This older, relatively young. Older, older cage. <laughs> um, another one also. Uh, so the uh, apparently the Russian dialogue in this movie is super obscene, like very, uh, like a lot of crazy obscenities that have been softened in the English subtitles. <laughs> so I wish we had a Russian speaker on who could uh, point us some of this. And it's unclear whether this was part of the script or whether it was just the actor who played the uncle improving because he was the worst. He was the worst offender. Where's Brendan? I know Brendan, our Russian speaking friend. Um, Sorry, guys. No, no, he's usually in the audience. That's why I was like, oh, we could get Brendan to translate. I think he. I bet he didn't want to watch this one because he'll probably want to watch the movie at some point. Yeah. Um, and another one is that. Um, uh, Monica Bellucci was originally supposed to play the uh, Bridget Moynihan part. Oh, well, you just saw. Yeah, she was. Uh, she was uh, opposite Nick she... Cage in. In. Uh... Oh no, that wasn't a Nick Cage movie. What movie was that we watched? That was a uh, Clive Owen. Uh, ah, shoot him up. Who looks oh, a little like Nick Cage and shoot him up? Yeah. yeah. Good transition. Speaking of people who look a little like Nick Cage, we got a quiz for you, Josh. You ready? Uh, yeah, I'm ready. Pull it up, Chris. Okay. Ignore that. We're not that. in the cage yet. All right. So you might need to zoom. Oh, here. Uh, Chris, delete the. Delete. Oh, yeah. Just delete that right there. Yeah. Delete. Okay. All right. So the way this works, and we may need to zoom around a little bit, is we want you, Josh, to pick out which of these actors played Nicolas Cage's brother in a movie. What? Okay. So we'll go through these one by one. Um, uh, for sure. Uh, uh, Giovanni Rizvi, because you you guys mentioned it, but I remember he was his brother in was it Gone in sixty seconds? He was That's correct. Yeah. Okay. All right. So let's let's, let's go uh, let's go these one by one. I don't know because you want to zoom in on whichever one we're talking oh. about. Let's start with the John Travolta. Well, we no, in? they weren't brothers. They they were face uh, brothers, I guess, but not not brothers of blood. Good. So so no, for sure not. All right. All right. Yeah. Not, so if yes. you clicked on it, it would be wrong. All right. Giovanni Ribisi. We he know. Said, Sorry, I did not design. I designed this in the last 15 minutes before. It doesn't really work well for Zoom. Okay, but, we just uh, say, uh, yeah. All right, Dan Stevens, another guy with dark hair and blue eyes. Did he ever I, play Nicolas Cage's brother? I would say no. I don't think they were in a movie together. Yeah, uh, as far as I know, that is correct. Wait, great. <laughs> is he the guy from uh, National Treasure? No, no, Downton Abbey. No. Oh, he's Legion. He's he yes. is Legion. Yes, yes. and uh -oh. a very good movie with him is The Guest. Oh, I've heard that one's it. really good. Very, yeah. very good. Very good. But wait, we just watched Ghost Rider and we are Legion. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So not Dan All right. Stevens. Now we got Donovan Leach. Uh, oh, uh, I'm covering his head. I can't see. Who the heck yeah. is Donovan Leach? Yeah. Oh, wow. I don't know. Does look like Nick Cage, though. I wouldn't know what movie, though. Okay, I'll say yes. You're going to say nope. yes. He has oh, never no. played Nicholas Cage's uh, okay. brother. Oh. All right. Oh. Let's keep moving. What else we got, Chris? Right. So I'm, I'm Nicholas Cage. One. He doesn't play his own. Oh, well, he does play his own brother in adaptation. So, yes. Yes, this correct. Is correct. <laughs> Justin Thoreau. Uh, 
Justin David yeah, Thoreau, the Canadian Prime Minister. <laughs> I see. I haven't seen all of Nick Cage's movies, so I don't know. I'd just, no. just you could just guess based on what they look Faces, like. Then I say no. Okay, correct. He has never played Nick Cage's brother that I know of. All right, Dana Carvey. No, that is incorrect. He has. He does play. Uh, <laughs> what movie? Trapped in Paradise. Uh, Dana Carvey plays Nicholas Cage's brother. David Schwimmer. I would say no. That is correct. I am not aware of any movies where he plays his brother. All right. What else we got, Chris? John Lovitz. It's John Lovitz. I would say no. That's incorrect. He is also Nicolas Cage's brother in Trapped in Paradise. <laughs> okay. The movie I don't remember. <laughs> All right. Danny Aiello. No. Incorrect. incorrect. He is his brother in Moonstruck. Hey, okay. I never saw Oh, Roberto Benigni? I don't think so. No. Uh, I'm probably, I'm gonna get, okay. <laughs> Roberto Benigni has never played Nicolas Cage's brother. Wouldn't it be great okay. if he did, though? Yeah. Uh, Alessandro Nivola. Didn't you say that was his son? No. No, that's a Weston complicated. <laughs> I don't know this. I don't know what the answer to this is, but just based on no. how weird this is, I'm going to say yes, just because based on how weird this person is. Oh, okay. You know, you've seen this movie a million times that he was in oh me oh oh oh, I, yeah. oh never mind i recognize no never mind i get it yep yeah. so what are you gonna what are you gonna say Josh? i was gonna say no but i i have a feeling i'm wrong it's yeah, freaking so he... pollock's troy oh is that who it is yeah it's his brother from face off i just I, I, troy? okay i got a i got a, a a much more attractive photo of him than how he's sort of styled in the movie, in See, the I, movie. yeah okay. i saw that picture right. and i'm like oh this is one of those uh eastern european actors who's in one of his later VOD movies or something like that. I'm like, maybe he plays his With brother. the name Alessandro Nivola? Yeah. That's, Ita- that's not Eastern European. Oh, it's Italian. You're right. Oh, jeez. <laughs> All right. Half of them right? I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I think you did great, Josh. And honestly, we've learned some lessons about how to format things for uh, Twitch. Uh, this is what happens when I do this 15 minutes before the podcast starts. Let's move on to rank the cage. Yeah, we're going to rank the cage. Here we are. I'm not going to run the uh, thing again. Oh, yeah, don't run it again. <laughs> rank the cage. There we rank go. All right, cage, so, cage, Josh, cage. you've listened to enough of these episodes to know how this yeah. works, so let's just get started. Let's do some ranking. Start with cast. I have something I want to share, though, before we start. Sorry to cut you off. All right. Uh, no, I feel bad because I know... This is a great movie, but our ranking system is going to rank it low. You think so? Because he doesn't get crazy. Well, the craziness doesn't come into this. Uh, oh, actually, you know what? All right. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Right. Never mind. Okay. That's what I thought was going to happen, but I guess you're right. Looking at these um, these um, features, yeah. All right. Cast. All right. What do you think for the cast? Um, I thought it was an okay cast. Uh, I know you didn't like Ethan Hawke, but I think like, Nicholas Cage, Jared Leto, you know, they weren't all off the rails, but there, there weren't really that many big names, just those three. And then, uh, but uh, I thought everyone acted well. Uh, no, that's the next one. So the cast itself, I'd say it was still a good choice. I don't know, I'll give it an eight. Okay. Eight. There uh, wasn't anyone in it that I was like, oh yeah, Ian Holmes in it. Like everyone played them, everyone who was cast played their part well for who they were. So I thought that was good. I, I'm going to probably go lower, but we got Ian Holm. Uh, we got Jared Leto. If I went through that, the rest of the cat, I really like the guy who played the librarian, a Baptiste. He was great. I'm going to give it a, a six for cast. Okay. 
I'm going to go a little lower because I really, I'm torn on this because there are a lot of people I really loved in this, like Ian Holm and the dictator guy. Um, and, uh, well, those are, those are the main two. I thought I didn't love, um, Bridget Moynihan in this. I didn't think she was super well cast for the role. I think she seemed like too every day and Jared Leto is just not my favorite person to watch. And we've, uh, we've talked about Ethan Hawke enough, so I'm going to give it a five. All right, then. Can I but change I, my, my rating? I, I think yes. I gave it too high. I, I would also give it a six. Oh, wow. All no, right. no, no, no. Like, corrupted. reflecting on him more? Yeah. We're corrupting I was like, the process here. The data is not going to be pure. <laughs> I'm sorry. But but I, I, I do agree because I was, like, trying to, like, give them more credit. But, like, yeah, like, I those think... who were cast, I thought were okay. But, yeah, if, if it was right now and I was looking at the, like, I had never seen the movie and I was going to watch it based on who was in it, yeah, I probably wouldn't be like, I got to see this. Oh, my God, these people are in it. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Acting out of 10. And not Nick Cage's acting. The the, re- the rest of the people? I the mean, that, there I thought they did well. Like, that I, you know, that I give a seven. I thought they were pretty good. The Libyan was the Liberian was really good. Um, I didn't find the acting over the top. I didn't find it boring. I'd give it a seven. Uh, I agree. I thought it was very well acted. Um, I think uh, Jarelito was good. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you. Seven. Uh, I'm sorry. I did really like this movie. I just there are certain people in it I really didn't like. I have to take off points for uh, Ethan Hawke because I thought he was just acting terrible in this movie and then also Jared Leto was like so over the top that it wasn't like all the drunk rampaging scenes and then Bridget Moynihan I just feel like was sort of there they didn't really I mean they didn't give her that much to do but I didn't find her very compelling even though she did have like an emotional arc in it so I'm gonna just give it a five for this this is what I mean it's a good film but we're gonna rank it low I can feel it I think it's gonna get I think it's gonna be a solid middle of the road okay all right fun out of yeah, I'd, give, I'd give this a six like it's a good film. It's it's like I enjoyed it, but it's not. I don't know. Like if you compare it to like Wolf on Wall Street, like that's like yeah some tens at some points, and you're like, whoa, what's gonna happen? And it's not like Con Air fun or Face Off fun. Like I know it's a different style movie, but you know it's like it's a it's you know based on a true story kind of drama with some excitement. So yeah, I I pretty close to that too. I'm gonna give it a seven. I uh, just there's those fun moments where he's getting away from Ethan Hawke, and those are the most fun in the whole movie. Right. And uh, and yeah, the rest is just kind of like, oh my god, you laugh at it a little bit, then you're like, oh, this is bleak. Weirdly, I'm gonna go higher. I'm gonna give it a nine. I don't know wow. why. I just I like I like the structure of it. I like the like we're seeing his life. Like we've got a lot of voiceover. We've got a lot of fun sequences. We've got a cool opening number. You know, we've got some heist kind of deals. Like I, 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 I found it very watchable and fun, oh. even though obviously some of the themes were quite dark. And the third of Cage's films that we've watched that starts with child murder. We had uh, Face Off. We had uh, the this one where the kid gets shot in the head at the beginning of the movie, and mm-hmm. we had uh, um, City of Angels where he kills a child at the beginning of the film. That's true. That is very true. So nothing's more fun than starting a movie that way because Face Off started with that too. That was a fun movie. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We got technicals. So we got costumes, set, CGI, soundtrack, wigs. Yeah, that I I would rank high. I'd give that an eight. Like I thought that opening was really good. Um, You know, and and like they shot in different locations and stuff. Yeah, I think it was really good technically wise. 
Uh, I agree. There was yeah. There's nothing that really like looked distracting or took me away from the the movie, and and I thought everything they they tried to do was very well done and professional. And yeah, I'm gonna give it an eight too. Again, I think I I'm gonna give it a higher. I'm gonna give it a nine for this because wow. like I the only point I'm taking off is for the soundtrack, which I think was a little bit too on the nose, obviously. But I thought the fact that they were able to do all these locations for such a you know relatively low budget, like I found none of the CGI to be distracting. I think his, you know, hair, makeup, wigs, all that stuff was really believable. I like, I really did believe that they were in all the different places that they did it. And um, yeah, I thought it was really well done technically. Yeah. Overall, Josh, where I, do you I'm land? An eight. Like, I think it's one of his better films for sure. Yeah. That's why I picked it. Like, I'm like, this is going to be a fun film to talk about. And like, it, it's not one of his, it's so bad. It's good. It's like, it's actually good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, I'm just agreeing with Josh all night. Another eight. <laughs> yeah, it was great. It was a great movie. Pleasure to watch. Uh, after watching this film, I don't know if it's because I'm getting close to 40 films or whatever. It just made me like, man, you know, they got to give this guy some kind of lifetime achievement award because not many people have done this many good movies. Like some people have done two or three really good movies, but like this is yet another good cage movie. You know, and he's done a lot of shit, but he's also like, done like in such a range of types of film that he can do good so i i don't know i really like this one i'm gonna give it uh i think i'm gonna give it an eight as well i like i like eight i think the points i'm taking off for are just not loving some of the casting choices and uh i do agree i think there's some stuff with the script where it's like some of this could have tied together better or like more strong motivations or whatever but like you know all right, add or take away a bonus point. Whoever thinks of one first, whatever uh, comes to mind. <laughs> I can't think of. Yeah, this is like doesn't have like many like moments that kind of popped. It does. <laughs> I mean, I like I like the you're the shit but that like that was kind of out of nowhere. You're the shit. But um, you get a bonus point for you're the shit. I don't know. Uh, you save it. I got one. It I got wasn't one. really. I, 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 I'm going to give a bonus point for the map of Russia that Jared Leto was going to snort or the Ukraine. Map of the Ukraine. Yeah. Oh, here's one I would take a point. I don't know if it's worth taking a point off, but I, I just want to mention it. I just looked at a note. Like like another unbelievable part is when, when uh, the wife calls him and I can't remember where it was in the movie. Uh, like oh, the guy's there's gunfire or people are getting shot. Right after and the uncle like, blows oh, up. It's just a party happening. And she's like, oh, okay. It's like, no way would anyone believe that that was a party. <laughs> like people shooting in the background, like impossible. Especially when she's suspicious of what he's doing. I was like, no way. Josh, you're not going to the right parties. All right. I don't know if they throw them in Canada. <laughs> the U.S., we allow guns. All right. <laughs> so you take, you're taking a part. Are you taking a point off for that? I, I, I don't know if I would take a point off. It's just something I forgot to mention. Okay. Um, yeah. Meg, you got something? All right. Yeah, give me a negative one here. I uh, I know I keep harping on the soundtrack, but I forgot one of the worst offenders, which was the song Hallelujah, appears in this movie. <laughs> Hallelujah is made famous by Shrek, the West Wing, uh, the the sex scene in Watchmen. Oh, God. Uh, the OC, I'm looking at a list. It's just way, way overdone. Don't Too put many. that in your movies, guys. Too many. Too many times. Too many times. Too many times. All, All right, right, Josh, what you got? Josh, no points. Or Take you just, us home. You guys calling it a day? Uh, what are you doing? I'm looking. I'm thinking. Um, you could just yeah. say plus one because I liked it. Yeah. You know what? Um, uh, yeah, plus 
plus one for uh, you're the shit. <laughs> All right. That's a respectable score, 108, I think. Let's see where this line lines up. Ah. We got, ooh, number nine. Oh, ooh. wow. Under oh, nine, right between It Could Happen to You and Valley Girl. I am pretty surprised this is below It Could Happen to You. Yeah. How did that movie end up so high, Chris? Cast. Do you remember? Cast. Cast. Better oh, cast okay. And then or... also our guest was very into the movie as well. Yeah, oh, actually, true. no, she wasn't that into it. I think it was a better cast score. Maybe, I guess, I couldn't see that having a higher fun score, but it must have just been the cast score that did it. And it must be really close in, together, I bet. Uh, that that irks me. I think this movie is much better than it could happen to you. <laughs> All right, it's time once again for the two-axis plot of Nick Cage's craziness versus his acting ability in this film, Lord of War. As we've talked about, his craziness is very low in this movie. It's going to be an interesting one. What do you think? I I would give it like a one or a two. He's not very, he's very like, I mean, there was that part where he, like there's a part where he's on drugs and he's still like, like you say, Chris, like, the visuals are crazy, very train spotting. You see like dead bodies and, and stuff, but he's not even like freaking out. He's just like comatose. Yeah. Um, so I, I'd say two. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's pretty flat. I'm also going to give it a two. Yeah. For the same reasons. It's just, it's, it's, there's, it's fun to watch him, but he's not doing his typical stuff. Yeah. I'm going to give it a three. I think there's a little bit more, but not by much. Also, I just looked it up. It could happen to you beats this movie by one point. So it is my <laughs> fault for taking away a point. It could have been a tie. That's what you're saying. It, it could have been a tie and then we could have tie broke it to be a little higher. So I'm it, sorry, everyone. It could have this happened is, to you. It could happen to you. You think you're grading a thing fairly and then you see where it lands. And then you realize you messed it up. All right. Acting. What ability. do we got for acting? What do you think, Josh? Oh, yeah. Acting, I thought was spot on. Um... I mean, again, he was a bit monotone. Like, he, he doesn't, you know, react so much. I, I would give it an eight. That he's really good. Uh, yeah, I think he was pretty good in this movie. I remember this received some pretty good critical acclaim, too. I don't know if it was for his acting or just the movie in general and the message it had and things like that. So I'm going to give him a seven. Yeah, I'm also going to give it a seven. I thought it was pretty well acted, nothing distracting. I didn't think it was, like, pretty showboaty yeah. in the way some of his other stuff is, but... Uh... Very solidly acted movie, right. which is not a guarantee for a lot of the movies that we've seen with them, is it? Let's see where that drops us on the cage gauge. Ah, dead center Ooh. on the top left quadrant, which is where the critically acclaimed movies go. The top left quadrant, the uh-huh. less crazy. I mean, not all of them, but a lot of the critically acclaimed ones end up there. Let's see it uh, compared to everything else. So you have wow. adaptation in that corner. You Ooh, have it's right on top of uh, something else. Uh, that is. Uh, uh, what is it? Uh, the Raising Arizona. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, okay. But you also have in this quadrant uh, on the edge, Jiu-Jitsu and, and uh, uh, Con Air. So, you know, it's... But we're deep into it where there's, like, better acting and, and better and less crazy roles. Um, I have actually tabulated quickly uh, a... Uh, let's see. I'm going to hop over to it right now. This is a, a chart, a graph... Or not a graph, just a, a rundown of by quadrant, what 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 quadrant ends up having the highest scoring films on average? So uh, it looks like excluding this film, that the one that that ends up having the high the highest rated films according to the sh- our show is the top right quadrant, which would be the more crazy 
better acted quadrant, which is what you'd think would be the best ones, but not by much. It's because well, the, the top maybe left. That, Sorry. I was gonna say if you if you plug in uh what's it called the score for this, which is one oh eight to the to your graph, how does that take us? Let's drag this down. Let's see how quickly I can excel right now. Drag this down, so. put in a one oh eight, put in a top left quadrant, uh and of actually put one oh eight here and then do uh <laughs> Damn it, Chris. Uh, listen to someone. I can't see do the, Excel. I can't see the formula bar. All right. You guys. Hey, Chris, if you just riveting. type. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you, you can it. just. Riveting. And then do it again. I'm trying, I'm trying to grab it and I am having trouble because it's overlapped. Hey, here, here's what you do, Chris. Take one of those zeros and type in 108 over top of it. Then you're done. Hold on. Boom. All it right. Is done. It is done. Show us, show us what we got. Okay, we can't see it yet. E2 to. Oh, that's not right. That is not right. 29. Nine. You got this. Boom. 101. Hey. All right. It beats it slightly. It beats it by okay, so point hey. 0.175 points. This One, is two, now five. our uh, most highly uh, regarded movie corner. I mean, but by like a negligible. Within so, the margin of error of this method, I would argue. What also is so, interesting is the two bottom quadrants are so close in average rating too. Seven. So, uh, Chris, the scale that we're looking at, uh, so e columns E and F here are both the good acting, more crazy slash good acting, less crazy, right? Yep. And the bottom is bad acting, less and more. So so what I think we're learning is that the movies that he acts well are good movies. This is pretty uh, deep <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Statistical proof that when an actor acts good in a movie, it's a good movie. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we've uh, we figured that out. <laughs> we've truly unlocked the cage. <laughs> Good night, everyone. Like... <laughs> Wait, no, let's say... I just put, oh, I no, just I... I just put the credits up. All right. <laughs> uh, All right, guys. Closing thoughts. Overall, I I, I like I was glad to revisit the movie because I yeah. I had only seen it that one time when it came out or or when I watched it on DVD after it came out. And uh, I was worried, like, I picked a movie that was going to be really bad, but it was I, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I think it holds up pretty well. I think so, too. And, uh, yeah, I'm glad you suggested it. Uh, Josh, what uh, what's going on? Doing anything you want to promote? Uh, the only thing I was promoting was this. <laughs> so so uh, promoting, it. listen to this podcast again. <laughs> promote this podcast and i would say uh, uh follow me on tiktok i just joined tiktok i would love to get a thousand followers so i could do live stream i don't know what's uh what's it's, your name uh, uh, budman underscore uh, unofficial budman b-u-d-m-a-n underscore N yeah underscore unofficial all right Boom. follow yeah. josh on tiktok all right, uh, so we are going to be back next week. Uh, we are going to be watching Season of the Witch with Adi Heller. Very excited for this one because he has seen every single Nicolas Cage movie. So we're going to try to come up with some fun fun shit to put him through, <laughs> to <laughs> test his knowledge or whatever, to see his opinion. So we'll be back uh, next week for that. Uh, and that's it, Josh. Thanks so much, Chris, well, as always. Me. Thanks so much. Have a good one. And uh, we'll see you guys next week. See ya. Unlocking the Cage is produced by The Manager Special. 
Music by Will Janetta. Check out our other shows, as well as sketches, animation, and short films at managerscomedy.com. <laughs>